Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we fail? Will we give up writing and just kind of be a dick about things? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on... What What if but but good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as whatifbutgood. What about good? What about good? What about good? good? I think it's the first time we've started by saying the name of the podcast. We agreed on five weeks in. <laughs> Settled on it finally. Welcome back, what if but gooders, and what up, you good? <laughs> like, comment, subscribe, <laughs> share on dig, <laughs> share on anything, please, God. What, what was that? What was that horrible social media? Clout. Share on clout. <laughs> you remember clout? Uh, I'm going to oh, share on Ello for sure. That's what I'm going with. Share on Zillow? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sell it for astronomically high prices. Yeah. yeah. Uh, th- what week is this? Is this week? This is, okay. We did four um, weeks of prep. Four weeks This of prep. is third week of pages, right? Yeah. This is week seven. This is week seven. Damn so we, we have nine weeks left. Oh, Jesus. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Nine Thank weeks. God, because this week went only okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was kind of a wacky week, I think. Yeah. Uh, t- what what happened? What happened to you? Oh man, uh, I was working on a film shoot, and on Monday morning at three eight three thirty, I, I woke up in just an excruciating amount of pain in my left eye, and was like, okay, maybe this will go. Maybe I just like stab myself with my thumb or something, and this will go away, and I'll be able to go to work, and it'll be okay. And then four thirty rolls around, and it's gotten worse. And I'm just like, what the fuck do I do? So I uh, called out of work, was like, I'll, I'll let you know what's what's going on, but I, I can't see. And so I went to urgent care, and they looked at it like, yeah, you got a scratch in your cornea. I'm like, how the hell does this happen? Like, no, there's there's no, there's nothing in my mind that's like that, that has it make sense. And so it's just, it was real frustrating that like, I was everything on that set was going really well, and then all of a sudden this this shit happens, and I'm down for the rest of the week. Yeah. And my eye gets more and more swollen as they, because I went to urgent care and they gave me something called bacitracin, which mm. is basically like a prescription neosporin. Yeah. Um, and that didn't do a goddamn thing. Like, it just got worse. Um, Peter saw it. Yeah. Um, that was brutal. It was bad. Um, and, and so as a result, I went back to my primary care physician and they gave me like an antibiotics thing. Mm-hmm. And that finally took care of it. But for a long time, I was really worried that like I had a corneal ulcer or something because anytime I, Oh, like forced to open my left eye because it was like swollen shut. Anytime I forced it open, I couldn't see anything. There was like this opaque film mm. over everything. That sucks. Yeah, and so that that was the scary thing. It was like I'd open my left eye and it would just be like a cloud, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my eyeball, you know. That, that was my thinking for a couple of days. It's like this is not good. I'm gonna lose my eyeball. And then finally, once I got the the antibiotic ointment, it's the the swelling went down almost immediately. Mm. It's like oh, this is what Mama needed. Now it makes sense. It was biotics the whole time. Yeah, and so... <laughs> Anti-those, I say. <laughs> I'm against biotics. Um, but yeah, as a result of that um, whole debacle, I had more time to write and zero time to write. Yeah. Um, because And like I, there were a couple of times where like, I was in the heat of it, and I, I sat down and tried to write, and I only got like a paragraph and a half out because 
damn, did it hurt. Like, the other thing was, like, keeping my right eye open was, like, tensing up the muscles behind my left eye, and so I'd get headaches. Oh, shit. And it's like, I just have to sit there with my eyes closed and feel like a lump of shit but can't do anything, you know what I mean? It was just really, like, tough mentally, tough physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still got three scenes written. Um, once the once the swelling went down, got three scenes written between yesterday and today. Um, so I, I'm, I'm proud of at least getting something done this week. Yeah. Well, because when, when this happened, the plan, we, we talked about it, and the plan was we just go two weeks. Yeah. And and I'm I'm, uh, I'm stoked that, that we're meeting. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's yeah. cool. Like, I, I think it's I think it's valuable to meet after a rough week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rather than put it off. And because, I mean, you know, unless, unless you're writing staff, and even then, uh-huh. most people who are going to write something at some point is going to have, like, it's gonna run into something like this. Yeah, like, it's true. It's it, it is, every week is not always a good easy week for writing. Right. Yeah. Especially against last week that went so well. This week was just like a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. It was unexpected, and we got through it. Mm-hmm. I can see out of my eyeball again, so I'm happy. That's good. Yeah. Do, do you know what happened? No. No. No idea. Oh. Um, other than my week was ruined. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that happened. Uh, Peter, how was your week? Uh, my week was okay. I uh, I I tend to uh, not write as much during the week just because I I get home at you know six o'clock and then I have dinner right away and then so I go to bed kind of early and I only have an hour and a half really to myself. Uh-huh. Um, and that's Metroid time. And that's Metroid time. <laughs> <laughs> there hasn't been a new Metroid in uh, quite a while. Well, not since uh, Metroid Two, which I the Metroid Two remake, which I didn't get far into, but uh, mm-hmm. that's that's not that's not well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so and then. When uh, when Evan uh, had his eye issues, I was like, okay, well, we're probably not meeting this week. So I just kind of put it off more and more with the assumption that I would write some on this weekend and then write more into the next week. And then when we had our meeting next week, I would be prepared for that then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, what happened was I didn't write nearly as much as I wanted to this weekend uh, because yesterday I had a few things that I needed to take care of and I had a, an event to go to and... Uh, I was hungover. And, uh, and, how was the show? Uh, the show was great. We, I, I had a show on Friday uh, with the, the Bill of Wrongs, a group that I'm a member of, and the show went fantastically well, but then I got home at like 1.30 or 2, and I you know, didn't wake up until much later, and then I had an event, and you know, just yeah. a whole stack of circumstances that mm-hmm. led to me only writing two scenes. <laughs> <laughs> They're long scenes. Yes. Yeah. It's six pages, but I wanted to get to ten. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of a bummer. I mean, we, we wanted to talk a little bit about pacing, and I'm very much like a hurry-up-and-wait kind of kind of writer, mm-hmm. where I'll, I'll ruminate on things in my head for a long time without putting much on a page, uh, other than maybe some notes. And then when it comes to write the actual scenes, I just plow through them as quickly as I can. And uh, I try not to, you know, uh, stop and go in the writing the actual scene. Uh, so that only works if you go. <laughs> uh, and I didn't do that as yeah. much as I wanted to, so hopefully I'll yeah. you know be able to catch up. But this was... I remember when we talked about, at the very beginning of when we started this project, like, what are our fears? And one of mine was like, there's going to be two or three weeks in a row where I only get a couple scenes done. Yeah. And uh, then I'm going to get really mad at myself and I might just, like, give up. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, it's been going fairly well so far. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that was my week. Silas, how about you? You had something interesting. I did have something interesting. Um, I, I, I can't tell if... Okay, so I did, I did it again. 
No, no. <laughs> for for those for those of you for those of you devoted listeners to our wonderful podcast, uh, last week I realized that I had some broken bones in my story, and I wanted to sort of go back and pretty fundamentally change a lot of it. So I threw out 15 pages that I'd written and just completely started from scratch and did it in a totally different way. I uh, did it again. Um, <laughs> uh, Wait, so what, what you turned in is what you want to change or what you turned in is what you changed? What I turned, what I turned in is, is round two. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, there, there were like 15 pages Damn. that so this week are, in, you, are in the garbage. This week you wrote 35 pages? I did write 35 pages. Damn, this week. girl. Um, that's, that's like triple what the two of us were combined. <laughs> um, listen, work has been slow. I also started doing like sourdough. <laughs> You're making sourdough? I'm making yeah. sourdough as well. Well, it's proofing. You got to do something. Well, I'm, I'm in the starter stage, man. I'm oh, just for okay. man. I'm, I'm making my own sourdough starter. This is, I've had a lot of time <laughs> is, is, is what the takeaway should be. Um, so I can't tell if, if uh, I made a mistake last time when I went back and changed, like, like threw out what I'd done and started over. Uh, because that definitely shook my confidence. Like, <laughs> once I had done that, I, as I was sort of moving along with the outline I'd written, I definitely had in the back of my head, like, is this... I wrote this at the same time that I wrote the last oh, thing that I threw yeah. out. Yeah. Is this good enough, or can I make it better? And um, what ended up... But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to... Yeah keep working through scene by scene. I can always change it later. Um, and then what did happen was I woke up at four in the morning after having had a really intense dream. And mm-hmm. while I was lying in bed, uh, I just suddenly had a really, really clear idea of what I could do differently. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got up and I wrote all of it. <laughs> like, was that this morning? No, that was uh, okay. maybe... Here, I can, I can tell you what it was. It was the 12th. The 12th. Okay. It was the 12th. So it was two days ago. And all the 20 pages that I sent you were written on the 12th. Damn. Man. I, uh, well done. I'm very impressed and a little frightened for you and of you. <laughs> well, <laughs> you have a, like a supply of greenies that we don't know about. <laughs> it's like little amphetamine poppers. It's, I mean, well, listen, this is all very complimentary and I'm loving, I'm loving, I'm loving the energy, believe me. But I mean, this is a wildly inefficient writing process. If this is my process, which is right like write a sequence and then throw it in the garbage and write it a second time. That is a terrible process. Like, Tell that to Tolkien. I, I, I can't. He died of writing too much. <laughs> he's, he's dead and it's his fault. For writing that way. It's the reason oh he died. God, yeah. um, he's also in hell, by the way. I don't know if you guys yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also yeah. in hell. Yeah, he... Uh, um, you can't uh, you can't go to hell if you. I mean, technically, creating your own mythology is is uh, taking other gods before him. So yeah, well, yeah. he and C.S. Lewis had. A, we'll talk about this. Later. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pause this moment. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I. The only <laughs> the only uh, like saving grace I feel like I have going forward is um, I didn't outline the next part of the story very much. Okay. It was pretty vague and I kind of felt like, well, this is the end of Act 2 so it's okay if I didn't do a very good job. Um, you know, I have, I have time to fix it. So I was kind of already planning on doing some re-outlining which I certainly need to now. <laughs> um, now that it's different. 
Um, so I'm hoping for next time that I, I can like figure out the big changes that I need to make before I start writing so so much. Um, but then, I don't know. On the other hand, I, the way that you were describing writing Peter, where you spend a lot of time being very thoughtful and ruminating on it. And then you kind of go through, um, that's not how I've been doing it. I've just been completely carelessly, thoughtlessly slamming forward just like, all right, what's the next scene? Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then throwing all that in the trash. <laughs> and writing something better later. So I will certainly say that the minutes I spend writing, I think, require a lot less emotional labor than the minutes that you guys are yeah. spending writing because I'm not being thoughtful about it at all. <laughs> but, but one thing to take into consideration is that you feel like you did it better. Right. This is the second one is for sure better. I mean, yeah. I can show you the first thing that so, I wrote. It's not very good. So the bright side to all this is that you improved. You didn't like rewrite it, throw everything away, rewrite, come away with something even shittier. Like, right. Well, but, I don't know. We'll find out. You guys read it. <laughs> um, I mean, no. That's, that's as good a segue as any. Uh, Peter, why don't you start us off? Yeah. Okay. So uh, as as per usual, we're gonna talk about what uh, we wanted to accomplish and how what we felt we accomplished that, and then ask for feedback. Um. I, the, my biggest thing with these uh, two scenes is uh, this is the the B story and also kind of the fun and games uh, of of my story here, where we introduce new characters that we've maybe seen in passing before, but we really introduce them and then kind of play out the character's growth right. through those side characters rather than uh, through the main character's primary interactions with each other. So, uh, Greg goes off to a, uh, yoga park, uh, to meet his, uh, personal trainer and then, uh, to find someone to be his personal trainer because, uh, Sammy told him in the previous scene, like, work on your whole physical vibe. Uh, and, uh, then in the next scene, Sammy goes to Judy, the therapist, and, uh, and my movie passes the Bechdel test and, uh... <laughs> And Judy talks to Sammy about, or Sammy talks to Judy about what's going on with the world, basically. And uh, I need to learn how to fit in, even though I'm not going to get a symbiote. And you're the only one who can help me because you're like one of the only therapists in the world. Um, and yeah, so basically, my my aims for these two scenes were I was going for very different tones uh, between the two of them. Uh, not like enough to make it jarring, but the first one is supposed to be kind of a funny like. You know, like in Deadpool 2, when they bring in all the superheroes and yeah. he interviews all of them. It's basically that kind of scene. Uh, but good, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was like... Deadpool 2 was kind of a tiring movie for me. Yeah. Um, and then the next scene is supposed to be like, okay, there's some, uh, there's a little bit of comedy there, but more, it's more like kind of intense. And like, you know, Silas okay. said it was kind of spooky when we were talking about... Greg's line at the end of Act One, which is "It's just us," um, and so uh, it, it's kind of Sammy's like resistance uh, to what the world is now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I think I did okay. Um, I wasn't super happy with either scene because the first scene to me, like, I think it has some good jokes, but it feels kind of long, uh, even if like it. Basically, there's a bunch of short interviews with the different personal trainers that Greg might take on, uh, but it, it just takes like over three pages to like get through it. And the second scene is kind of like uh, the, I don't really know what this 
stakes. I don't know that the stakes are as apparent that they could, as they could be right now. So uh, I'd be interested to hear what you guys thought of these two scenes because I was like, I, it was kind of a struggle to get through both of them. Um, yeah. As, and my other concern also is that I'm spending too long establishing these B stories and not getting into the Greg and Sammy relationship and maybe as quickly as I could. So let me know what you thought. Um, so Yoga Park is, is right around page 30. That's where the B story starts, right? Uh, it's like page 26. Okay. Um, I like it, but I think the, the reason why it feels so long and like drawn out is that there is a page and about a page and four-eighths or five-eighths that has no action in it. Um, mm. And I'd say that it works. This really works, but it needs to be like throw in descriptions of each person maybe or something like that so that you break up the dialogue. Mm. Um, because this this as a montage type of thing, I can see it working and I don't think it's too long. I just think it needs to be like broken up a little bit. The Both scenes had lines that got a, a genuine laugh out of me. We, we already talked about one before we started recording where uh, sort of all of the different personal trainers are, are talking about their pasts and uh, uh, the, the line where uh, one of the characters says, I, I, I'm an actress, but what I really want to do is direct porn. Uh, I, I really like that one. Uh-huh. I, got, I, 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 got, I think that's a funny joke. I feel like the personal trainer scene is missing something. Yeah. And, and I think that for me, what it was is I, it, it felt like it felt like sort of a little aside for these side characters to, to tell us jokes and, and the jokes were funny and it, and it worked in that regard. But you, you mentioned sort of not having the stakes feel clear. I, I feel like, Greg is a very passive participant in this scene and all of the heavy lifting is kind of being done by all of these admittedly very funny side characters. You know, these, these two scenes are great because both of the scenes are, are essentially the same action. It's, it's one of the main characters going to do something that they have been very pointedly avoiding up until this point in the story mm-hmm. and engaging with something sort of going for a symbiote, asking for help to do something that they don't really don't want to do. Crossing a threshold, if you will. If you will. <laughs> and I, I feel like what is, you have a lot of potential here because I think if the, if the scenes play out in really different ways that sort of show us the differences between the two characters, that, that could just be a really rich narrative thing. Um, as it happens, it, I think they, they kind of go pretty much the same, which is they're sort of reluctant at first mm-hmm. and very quickly get a lot of very... Uh, enthusiastic support and are kind of like, well, okay, all right, I, I guess this maybe won't be too bad. Um, and I know narratively that's what needs to happen to move the story along, but I didn't feel like Greg and Sammy's reactions were that different to this new information or to, you know, the same to the symbiotes offering, offering to help. So for the, for the Greg personal trainer scene, yeah, I, I, I feel like if you gave him, if it was more clear what could make this go wrong? Because yeah. we know the symbiotes are going to be enthusiastic. We know that they're going to just love the fact that he's asking for help. They love anyone asking for help. It's like their favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they love, you know... Helping. Yeah, I'm a helper. It's like Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And they all know Greg at this point, too. Well, they, they know of him. I don't think yeah. they know that he is Greg. I think that they kind of figure out just by looking at him. Right. And then where he's like, I need help. And they're like, oh, no one's ever needed help. I'm so glad. <laughs> What a, what a great opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I think if, if there was some 
if there was like you know the, the whole the whole tennis analogy with a scene where it's like two people who have a different worldview want something different and the ball goes back and forth and it's like yeah. who's gonna hit, who's gonna miss the ball first and and obviously this isn't a scene this isn't like a battle of wits kind of scene but like it's i think pretty much from the minute he walks up to the yoga people you're like okay they're gonna love this and he's gonna be <laughs> uncomfortable but he doesn't want to get laid so i think if, if it was if it was if there was a moment in the scene where it seems like maybe he's gonna ditch yeah that might that might juice yeah, it up a little bit or like he, he starts to resist because all he does in that scene is ask questions yeah yeah um, I mean, we don't see him like cast aside the people that he won't work with right, right. you know he, he just like moves on to the one that he will work with yeah right and they do tell him that they'll grind his bones into dust yeah <laughs> three people say that to him <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is which a little is, it's pretty funny but it also I feel like the spacing of it maybe needs some work for that joke to uh, work. but um it also I, I think that to me felt like a joke that you could potentially punch up because yeah. they it 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 seems like it doesn't seem like something that someone whose whole worldview is that they are emotionally healthy and supportive would say. Yeah. I think there might be a funnier version, which like to them sounds like, Oh, this is going to be great. Like that would like, and then and this is, I'm going to give it too bad. This isn't what you should do. But like, um, you know, Oh, if you work with me, uh, you'll 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 be you'll be able to you know six weeks with me and you'll be able to go a whole week without drinking water <laughs> or something where like it's you'll eat lightning and crack thunder you know the drill sergeant improvement yeah or like um uh like you should come with me this weekend we're gonna we're gonna we're going to do uh uh four days of of night hiking <laughs> in the yeah. day yeah or something you know you can also another suggestion is uh you could throw in like the because they're weird about sex right so you could throw something he's in weird about sex he's they're fine yeah. no no like the, the symbiotes yeah, yeah. are really like open about it so you could even throw something in there like you have a fuck better or something like that right. in so many words mm -hmm. but that's like well if and then his reaction would be like now that you're spelling it out I feel gross about it yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is what I'm here for but like it's it's like going into the sex shop and then the, the shopkeeper's like oh can I have some dildos and you're like, yeah, leave me alone well you know one, one uh, <laughs> I just hear brows one one angle might be and 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 maybe this is this is the conflict if. He's like, yeah, I want to want to get in shape, and they're like, fantastic. So, what is it that you're looking to do that you need to be fit for? And he's like, um, uh, just you know, cardio, <laughs> cardio, cardio. And they're like, all right, well, be specific, like what? And and maybe the moment where he almost leaves is he's like, I don't want to tell them that I'm I'm trying to get fit enough to and like when and then the, the porn character could say like, oh, now just now we say, are, are you interested in becoming better at sex? Because I've got a whole regimen for that. <laughs> Um, now, what, what's the difficulty that you've been having with sex? Is it the um, yeah. is it the flexibility or is it the duration? And he's like, he's like, I, <laughs> the cardio? What yeah. What could yeah. it be? What could it, what is it what, and he's like, I don't. I, I, I am not comfortable having this conversation. I am overwhelmed by this. I think mm -hmm. that's one thing that's missing is that Greg is definitely overwhelmed by all this. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I do have one question. Sure. Um, do the symbiotes communicate independently in any way? Like one no. or the other? No. Okay. Because I was thinking like, It'd be interesting if they did, and the moment she comes out to the therapist, everyone knows. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Throw it out the window to demonstrate it. Yeah. And then that's, uh, there was one, my favorite joke in the second scene, I don't know if it's your favorite joke, but my favorite joke in the second scene is uh, 
when Sammy's walking into Judy's office and she looks at the medical posters on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Just, don't ask. That's what I'm thinking the, about. One of them is, how do the symbiotes work? And it's just, it's just this big poster that says, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, That's what the symbiotes would say, you know? That was 100% my favorite joke in the <laughs> yeah, second yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can just see the shot, like, like you see her look at the poster and it, and it goes up to the question and the camera, like, pants down. And it's just a blank, <laughs> I like there's just a blank poster. It's like, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So it's also my Looper thing, you know, yeah. like in Looper, there's the thing where that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like asking all these questions of Bruce Willis, and Bruce Willis is like, "If you try to actually make this movie make sense, you're not going to enjoy it anymore." So I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. tell you, don't worry about it. Yeah. You know. Um, it also it, it didn't it didn't feel like a fourth wall breaky like <laughs> yeah I'm not a good writer which I've seen that in movies before where it's like if you if you you're a nerd if you care about my plot holes <laughs> only nerds care about that I didn't feel like that at all it, it, I mean it it, can, it works in the universe um, I think the the joke is is funnier in universe than as sort of like a meta like yeah. don't think about it thing um, I will say the scene didn't feel sinister to me. Um, I, I tried to only really make it sinister at the very beginning when she walks up to the office and uh, there's like a kid who's like, I don't want a worm in my ear. And then the, the mom is like, what do we say, sweetie? What do we say about that? The, well, the, the line of like, that's Greg talk was awesome. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed that. It's like, oh, geez. Like, like I, I, just, just like, yeah, the symbiotes are completely talking about him behind his back. Like, um, <laughs> He's their boogeyman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that uh, he is legend. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I dig it. Um, so the the Pew, what did you think about the scene? I want I want to find a specific line of dialogue. Okay, the the Judy scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I feel like it could have been maybe a little longer. Um, just because it doesn't feel completely fleshed out yet. Hmm. Um, it's one of those things where like it almost ends right where it's about to begin. Um. But then again, at the same time, that's kind of like rehashing what we already know. Um, but she might be able to say it in a different way. Yeah, one yeah. Uh, one issue I had when outlining um, yeah. this whole thing is uh, that there's basically two beats with Miguel, uh, Miguel and two beats with Judy, mm-hmm. uh, where it's just like getting to meet them and then getting to have the training or therapy montage with them. Right. And I kind of struggle on if that should be one beat or two for both of them, you know? And uh, I went with having it be two beats for both of them because that, then I would have enough scenes in my uh, story. <laughs> but but I, I, now that I've written it, it's like, does, does it make sense for it to be two whole separate? Because I want it to show growth, you know? But right. I don't know like how to show where they came from. You know? Right. So the, the dynamic in this scene that I really liked is... Judy is just here. She's not here for self-improvement. Or not Judy, excuse me. Sammy is not here for self-improvement. She's here to gather information. And I thought that the the way that that dynamic gets established could possibly, you could have maybe have a little more fun with that. Whereas it is, she kind of sits down and she's like, listen, uh, my, name's, my name's Sammy. This is the deal with me. I'm really honestly just more here for questions and, and, and you have doctor-patient privilege. If this felt a little bit more uh, Mission Impossible, where it's like, you listen to me. I am not here for therapy. I, I, you, 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 you are bound. You cannot, you know, like, you know, me, like, like, like. And you're just like, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, comes, I could see Sammy doing that, honestly. Like, she comes in real hard ass kind of thing. If she's like not sitting down, if she's like standing and like has a knife. <laughs> um, and, well, it's, it's funny you should mention that because the scene that I was specifically inspired by is uh, one of the last scenes in, please forgive me, the pickle wreck episode of Rick and Morty, where, uh, 
Rick goes into therapy like unwillingly uh, and because he's a pickle and uh, and he's like dying and uh, he just needs to admit that he did this stupid thing that mm-hmm. he turned himself into a pickle and Susan Sarandon uh, talks to him and says like well let's actually therapize you here and he's like I don't need therapy I just get, get me out of the shit and she's like no no the reason that you're in this shit is because you need therapy <laughs> well that's what I was going to say is is um, I think where this scene really really takes off and the most potential that you have is the dynamic of Sammy is here for information and Judy insists on being a therapist um, and by the way the Pick and Rick episode was awesome it's not it's fault that the fans are so awful um <laughs> Like, like the, the, I think, I mean, I love the joke with don't worry about it, but honestly, my favorite beat in the scene is when Judy says, uh, how are you different besides being a symbiote? I love that line. Yeah. And I think that the moment that happens, like that's, I feel like when the, when the interesting thing starts happening in this scene, it's kind of everything else is set up for that of like, all right, you, you listen to me, you, you wormy bastard. What's, what's going on? Is every, like, like what's the rules for this world? You know, uh. So, so tell me, so tell me about your mother. Like, like, <laughs> like I think that is great. Um, yeah. And the first place that my mind went, because Sammy's response to that question is, she says, once she says, I've been living underground for five years, but that's not the point. The, the, the thing which popped in my mind first is, you know, Sammy has been extremely isolated. And I think it would be interesting if she was instinctively drawn in to the therapy. If she was like, well, you know, I always was different in a way. I, wait, no, 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 no. Hold on. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe that's sort of the next beat that you have mm-hmm. planned coming up. Um, I think that you could you could establish that dynamic more, like have have a little have the tennis ball go back and forth a couple times. Yeah. Of Sammy asks a Mission Impossible question, Judy responds with a therapist answer, and Sammy like falls steps into the bear trap. Yeah, and 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 Sideshow Bob on the rig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that to me feels like what's. Uh, that was, I think, the, the the peach. That's not a thing you say. Um, that's the that's the juiciest fruit on this tree. I think is that that energy. <laughs> that's the sweet peach. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's also it could be an opportunity to describe the wider world outside of LA um, mm-hmm. because, like, so far in the script, you've only really seen it on ma- on micro level. But if Judy has information about it on a macro level, it's like the president is this now, blah, 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 government has changed, mm. blah, blah, blah. Um, this, this is an opportunity if you want to throw any of that wider mytho- mythology into it. So I thought of that. Uh-oh. Uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> cool. Uh, I, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. My thinking was like uh, the story is more about like these specific characters who happen to be in a crazy world, right. Than it is about the crazy world. The crazy world. So that's the whole "don't bring the press into it" thing. Yeah, I get it. Well, okay. the thing I was going to say on that though is if that goes into the scene, it's not to tell the audience more information about the world. I think I think the the utility there would be to scare Sammy. Yeah, and it's about her reaction to that information. And you could have a beat in here where, you know. Judy keeps trying to therapize and Sammy keeps no I give me give me the information uh and Judy could just give her a really straightforward answer like well um as of you know last census we da 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 and then you know you don't get too specific but but there's some detail in there that hasn't been said at this point in the right. screenplay that sucks you know like in Pew just saying like the president mm-hmm. I was like oh, man I need president yeah but like you know it's, it's not the president but you know there's some there's some there's something where it's like 
And Judy says, like, tell, tell me how this makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Where it's like Judy is saying it knowing it's going to freak out Sammy. And she's yeah. doing it on purpose because she wants Sammy to open up. And we then, killed all the resistance fighters one year in. You know? Exactly. Kind of exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, the... Um, we won. And, and, there, and there could actually be, you know, if you want to talk about stakes, there's, there could be a thing where, where, you know, Sammy says, there's really no one else. It's just me and Greg. And Judy says, well, yeah, they, there were obviously people who resisted, but um, they were, uh, you know, they were killed. Uh, we've kept Greg because he poses no physical threat. Um, and, you know, we still, we fan he'll crack sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like... Oh. oh shit like <laughs> yeah and and that and, and and that information would also be judy basically saying to sammy like watch it yeah that, that's like don't, don't step up don't yeah. step to me <laughs> yeah you know just you know yeah. uh and i don't know if that's the dynamic that you want i don't know if that dynamic is going to serve your story necessarily but i think if you were going to do something like that yeah. it would be for that reason not for the wiki for the wiki yeah yeah I yeah. so mm-hmm. cool um, you guys yeah. got anything else or should we move on I think let's let's move on I uh, yeah I you know I, I I know that you were a little down on yourself for volume but uh, these are two great scenes yeah you did good yeah yeah. Uh, yeah if you quality over quantity <laughs> yeah like like t- two scenes once a week will still end up with a screenplay <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah maybe not by July 4th but like <laughs> I don't know. by the end of the year hopefully <laughs> yeah and and you know yeah exactly it's side of this right you next? can be me next, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, okay, so we, talk, we talked about uh, my... my Struggles. My, my struggles and my uh, uh, inadvisable process. Um, so, originally, the, the, this, is the, this is the part of the story where we're, we're trapped in the manor. Right. And initially, my kind of big idea for it was it's a time loop. It's the same day repeating over and over again. And I agonized over, like that was easily the part of the outline I worked the hardest on because it's like, it has to believably be something that would suck the characters in, but also be the same events occurring over and over again, but not be immediately readable as the same events happening over and over again. So it's tall and decline. Yeah. It, it, uh, I think it's cool. Like, I think that could be a neat, thing in and of itself but like in order to make that happen i had a lot of side characters there was an art collector character there was the character i called the heiress there was a butler there was um this like this shadowy ruler of the manor who was called the fisherman who was like away but then they learn he's actually not away he's hiding somewhere in the house and each of those characters had like a video game like quest that they were asking for help with the art collector was like help me find my painting and the heiress was like help me do this and so it just kind of became convoluted it, it was well and and that in and of itself was the second version of the outline though initially it was way more just about those characters and i was like what am i doing with my life and then, <laughs> it's its own whole movie pretty much right and yeah. so then I, I was like okay I, I did a much I outlined a much more stripped down version where it's like it's just the butler and the heiress and these characters are combined these characters are combined these characters are combined and the and the, the point where I started to feel like like the, the thing which I kept I kept coming back to was the quests were not interesting because we just had this fucking crazy or world ending monsters yeah. uh, and it's like okay well I don't want to go find a painting like if I'm the audience I'm not going to give a fuck about this painting yeah um, so I got rid of all of that and oh and the other the other big thing was the, the sort of whole dynamic in the house was 
you're comfortable, you're safe, you do all these fun little quests that will keep you occupied forever. But if you sort of violate that anyway, if you're like, I want to leave, where's my friend who has gone missing? Then you'll sort of be tried and they like, everyone would gather and they would put you in a bathtub and like make you relive one of your old painful memories. Um, and that felt very clunky. And so I completely got rid of all that and I totally stripped it down. And now it's just a big house that's genuinely lots of fun and everyone is there to serve you and to keep you comfortable. And the house has a basement where any negative painful memory is being hidden by the staff. They're like, they're like aggressively gathering all of the shit that you're thinking of and putting it away where you can't see it. And that's the only way to get out of the house. So So, that's what they're about to run into, right? After these pages? uh, Yeah, exactly. And, and the sort of, so, so what I was trying to accomplish with, with these pages was I wanted to have sort of a false victory where they feel safe for a little bit after that big, scary thing that just happened and they sort of quickly realize, oh no, this is also sinister and this is a trap. And we're, this is, if anything, more dangerous than those monsters because we, we can't get out um, and we'll stay here forever. Um, I definitely did better with that objective the second time around than I did the first time. Um, I like the changes that I made. I guess my, I'd be interested to hear what you guys, how you guys felt about it. And I think that the most valuable feedback for me would be like, I want to know if it felt sinister or scary and at what parts you felt that way. And then also like, I'd be interested to know how you felt about the house initially and and if your feelings changed at one point and and what scene and, and all that. So yeah, what what did you boys think? So to me, this is a, and I apologize for being uh, distant for a second. It's because I was looking this up to make sure that I got the reference right. Uh, to me, it's your uh, your Lotus Eaters in the Odyssey. Right. And if uh, if you don't remember, uh, loyal audience, the Lotus Eaters in the Odyssey are like the uh, in Homer's Odyssey, uh, not Super Mario Odyssey. <laughs> the the ones where it's like uh, uh, they go to this island and everyone just eats the lotus flowers or plants or whatever and uh, they are just kind of drugged out and happy all the time and they don't deal with their practical concerns and it's actually very scary and sinister and they're, everyone's worried that like or becomes worried hold on this is a trance this isn't real you know um, Odysseus is like alright we gotta get the fuck out of here this is this is this party is no good <laughs> you know um so I think you did a, a really good job of having that like kind of hazy malaise kind of thing where it's like a bad trip, yeah. you know, like a little um, like a bad trip in an opium den. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Where you're like, I, anything could could happen. You could tell they're like it's a it's a an induced kind of happiness. And then there's spooky stuff like when uh, the they're carrying the, the butler and the housekeeper are carrying the the cabinet or whatever it is. And there's I, I imagine the the music sting when she, the butler looks over at Flora who's hiding. It's like, you know, it's a little mini jump scare kind yeah. of thing. Uh, overall, like the dream logic of like, yeah, let's just stay here for a while. Oh no, what's happening? I don't have control. Mm-hmm. It, it felt very much like yeah. a bad trip, a bad dream, all these kinds of things that okay. I think you're going for. Yeah. Did did the characters feel stupid for buying into it at any point? No, it's a, it's a dream world. You know what I mean? And I think part of it is that you kind of lose yourself when you're in a dream world. Like, at least when I dream sometimes, you know, you lose track of things, you lose track of time. Mm -hmm. Um, You start to buy into things a little easier. 
um, especially in a world like this where anything is kind of possible and you're you're more willing almost to accept it after being you're going through that hell the last 20 pages you know just just having like a welcoming environment is is enough for them to be a little stupid i guess if you want um, I mean, do I guess my question is when they first arrive, when they first arrive in the house, do you think, did you, and do you think an audience would immediately be like, get the fuck out of here. This place sucks. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because they're, they're so inviting and open as if they've been expecting them. Right. Um, I think that was one of the parts that creeped me out along with all the seller stuff and the thing with Avon, right? Right. Um, where he was like stuck and that fucking you should come up with some sort of like normal name for the spider with man hands and a werewolf face right <laughs> just because like when, when it's in the script and you see like the long description in caps you just like oh this is you just kind of giggle right you know it's like if it had like a name or some sort of like shorter monster thing mm-hmm. but i that thing that fucking thing is creepy dude it's a it's a real bad but i was wondering um is this supposed to, because you, I think last week or the week before you mentioned that you had like a really big impactful sequence and then more of like a stalker quiet sequence. Mm-hmm. Is that what this is supposed to be? Yeah, so this is okay. this is supposed to be the pot boiler where okay. it's, okay, there's, something is definitely going to go wrong. Right. We're only, we're, we're just over an hour into the movie. Uh-huh. What is it though? Yeah. And that's, and, and, and we get some dialogue scenes. We get to have the characters connect a little mm-hmm. bit more. We get to relax a little bit to sort of, you know, dip down on the interest curve so that we can rock it up for, for the next bit, which is coming, which is the, like, yeah, shining it, horror. It, yeah. it, it really reminds me of uh, House of Leaves, too. Oh, shit. Okay. The, the Daniel Lewski book. Um, and that whole, like, labyrinthine kind of thing, being lost with the monster. Right. Um, I think if you wanted to punch it up and make it a little scarier, you could uh, have that monster interact with them somehow. Or uh, Oh, it's gonna. Oh, it's gonna. <laughs> it's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna, baby. Uh, just just want to make sure it's in there. Um... So yeah, I, and I like the flashbacks too. I like that um, she she has dreams within these dreams and like wakes up and then wakes up again. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I wanted something which I've been struggling with was I wanted so something which I find incredibly frustrating in movies is if I know that the characters are wrong and the characters haven't figured it out yet and I have to sit around like sit around and wait for them to figure it out. Yeah, any part of a ghost story where someone's like. I think you should see a doctor about this stuff. You're, you know, you, you've been sounding kind of crazy recently. I'm like, go to fucking hell. I, I have no interest in watching this. I know the ghost is real. You showed yeah. me in the first scene. Um, yeah. This is a waste of my time. And so I, a, a pretty important feature of the story going into act three is that they're getting really, really disoriented. And the longer they spend in this dream, the less they can remember. Right. And, the, and they're sort of losing themselves a little bit. Um, but I, I wanted to do that in, or, or get that started in a way that doesn't feel like, oh, yeah, let's hang out here for a while. Yeah. This seems great. Where the audience is like, obviously not. So to answer your question from earlier, if, mm-hmm. if we're worried that the characters seem dumb for going mm-hmm. along with it, I, I don't think that they seem dumb necessarily, but there's two things that I might recommend uh, working on for the next version of this, which first would be when they go into the manor. Mm-hmm. I think the stakes could be a little bit clearer about why they choose to do that. Right. Um, because right now it's just a little bit of like, I, I, I kind of figured it out after the fact that it's like, well, they can't go back and there's no other direction, so might as well go in. Right. But if there was just like a, just a one half beat more of debate of like, 
someone like loses it in, in, a, in a moment of like clarity like we, there's there's nothing behind us there's this in front of us and we're not going to wake up that's right. not like a walking thing by the way. right yeah just like that bit of panic yeah. um, um but bad i really i want to hear the second thing that you're going to say because that's a really good note uh bad pitch what if they made the manor like what if what if they were in this sort of empty hallway and you know joaquin was like listen we can make anything we want to in this world let's make like a safe cool place yeah. Let's make a safe house and yeah. then stay there. And then the manor was what they created. And it was like, awesome. This is going great. We did a good job. And then it's like, there's the thing with the servants. And it's like, well, that's not. Is that, yeah. was, would that... That's, I think that would fit pretty much perfectly. Like yeah. that, if they say like, look, we just need a place. Because there's scary stuff behind us. Nothing in front of us. We need a place we can chill. And we need a doctor. We need... So let's let's have servants who come and give us pies and blowjobs right. or whatever. Like, let's <laughs> yeah. fucking have it have yeah. it be chill for a second, and then it then it's a they're more active right. as characters, and b you solve your issue. Okay, uh, and then it also makes more sense like why they go in and kind of go along with everything that happens there, even if they don't uh, like make everything that happens. They're like oh, Joaquin probably did it. Whatever. This is idea of a good time. The other thing I was going to say was. Um, in uh, in Get Out, there's the stirring of the tea, right? right? Uh, and the first time we see it, we don't really understand what exactly is going on with the stirring of the tea. Um, uh, it, it's clear that something weird happens when she stirs the tea. We don't know exactly what it is until the second time she does it. If I recall correctly, I might be getting the plot of Get Out perfectly wrong. But um, it's 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 clear that there's like something goes down where he can't control mm-hmm. what's happening. If if you had a beat like that where uh, like someone tries to say no to something early on, and then just uh, then someone like the butler taps that person on the shoulder or something, and they're like, "Oh, okay," and then they just go on with it anyway. Gotcha. Uh, then then we would have as an audience a great understanding of like, oh, they can't really leave right now it's not just they don't want to leave but like if they if if they ever do want to leave they won't be able to uh or not in the way that they want without you know giving something up Uh, okay that's great yeah awesome that's perfect um i think one thing you definitely accomplished in this was that you started showing flora taking the lead Mm -hmm. um and that's something that i picked up on where she's like the first one down the first you know the first one always now um and that's that's a positive character development and i think that you did a good job with that. Oh, thank you. Um, because this is about the time in the screenplay where that needs to start happening, where she takes the lead on everything. It's just like, we got to do this. You know, we, we can't be scared anymore. Um, and one thing, the last thing is that, um, okay, two lessons. One real quick. Mozart Injustice. I dig it. Love it. <laughs> uh, last, last thing is uh, be careful with magical convenience. Um, where there were a few times with the raincoats, I think there was another one with a flashlight. And then I think there was a third one in there somewhere that was like just Orpheum created these, just like pulled it out of their asses. You right. Know? So I, I, I would caution you to be careful with that. I mean, we we already had them make an entire world. And this, but that. at the same time, it's just like it, it felt a lot more convenient than it was before. Sure. Uh, it, it, okay. So because they're they're just yeah. like small things that they need to help them keep the story. Yeah. Well, I actually, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Actually, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. But from my perspective, it's like. They can get anything they want. They can't get anything they need. That's true. Right? Which That's is like, true. That's true. they okay. think that a flashlight will get them out of there. It really just exposes the way forward. Mm-hmm. And then they have to give something up in their own lives to yeah. 
uh, to make progress. So yeah, it's it's definitely something to consider. Peter had the point on it too. Um, well, I definitely the the my wife gave me a note on this, which is that we need to how you make this stuff needs to feel tangible in some way. It can't just be they close their eyes and it's there, which is why I have this whole pulling morphium thing. It it sounds like. I'm definitely not going to get rid of them creating stuff magically. It's the plot of the movie, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I made a note that it sounds like I have more improvement to do on making it feel tangible and yeah. clear and and not just convenient, like like a, an, an integrated part of the universe. Right. Okay. Um, cool. Why did you guys think Joaquin didn't come with them at the end? Because that's how the third act works. <laughs> okay, that's that's valuable information. Um, um, I think it's because he was finally. I think it's either fear or um, just an inability to keep going, and uh, feeling blocked and feeling like he he finally found his safe harbor, safe house to die in. Um, because he's he's convinced they're already out of time that they're already dead anyway. It feels like right. Or, or yeah, I mean, he, he was real gung-ho going into the basement. Yeah. And then as soon as he gets there, he, he changes his mind. Very, very... He probably... He, he probably sees the dolls, it. right? The, like, the plastic dolls. Right. So I, I got it immediately. To me, I, I don't know if I would have gotten it if I hadn't remembered what you said earlier, which is the thing about how they all have to give up a piece of information about themselves that is shameful, mm-hmm. and Joaquin's thing is so shameful that he won't say it. Um, I, I think that's what you said earlier. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I... I, I didn't get exactly that from the pages themselves, but yeah. I got definitely like something about what is happening he can't do. He's afraid. Or won't do, rather. Okay. He's afraid to confront something. Yeah. Do you think that not having listened to this podcast, that would scan, or do I need to do more work to make that in the story? Because I, I feel like if, as soon as a character says, like, you know, I think what just happened back there was it was something too sh- like then it's the yeah, it's ruined. I, I but... think it it's it's a fine line to walk, but I definitely think it needs to be revisited. Okay, yeah, I think because okay. I didn't really catch it. Okay, I think it might be a rule of threes thing because we get the we get uh, Flora sees this vision of herself as a kid, but we don't know what's shameful about the thing at first. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, but then the next time we see her, she's like, I was ashamed of the thing I did when I was young. Right. And there's no middle beat. Got it. Okay. So if there's a middle beat in there that's like, oh, we, we learn more about why she's ashamed of this thing. Then when we see it later, it's like, oh, so the theme is shame specifically. Got it. Okay. Uh, and then I, I always say, like, in the moment, don't worry about seeming too didactic or expository. Sure, okay. Uh, if, if it's after the moment, it's like, here's what happened, right. then then that's bad. But having a character explicitly state, I know what this is, we have to give up something about ourselves. Right. It, like, even if it is barely makes sense in the context of the story for a character to say that, mm-hmm. but with the knowledge that they have so far, they need to pass that knowledge on to other people right. in sure. a very clear gotcha. way. Okay. That's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to mention? Um... No. Okay. For me, just the overall like tone and feeling of it is like very. I, I said when we started talking about your pages, like it, it just nails the spooky dream, like oh, I, I'm half awake and I can't really control what's happening, right. kind of feeling. Yeah. Awesome. Especially towards like the second half, the second ten pages, where they, they start getting lost in the house and the butler's like, "No, you can't leave." Like, oh. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll close out with me. Let's do it. Um, so this week I wrote three scenes. Um, 
in very rapid succession. I am not that happy with any of them, uh, but we have a, an interaction between Cosmo and Steve at the bowling alley. He kind of brings, you have, what this serves to do is that you see that Steve still kind of thinks about Rebecca every once in a while, and you also see that uh, Cosmo having a conversation with Lena on the phone about Rebecca. Um, I don't know if that connection is going to scan at all, but it's there. Um, and, and so it's just kind of like another expression of uh, how Steve's doing and how he's not doing well. Um, and then we go to Rebecca and Jordan's apartment. We meet Jordan for the first time in five years. And he's sitting around in the dark drinking, uh, trying to pregame for going out. Probably, he, he watched, he's a, he signs bands to a record label, so he's like about to go out to a club and watch the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Steve at work, and his boss has found out about his baseball blog, and he's like, I, I want to help you get out of here. And so those are kind of the three scenes that we're at. And again, I, I don't, I, I realize that in, in Fade In, the program that I'm using, it, it shows you how long each, each scene is, and I have yet to have a scene over two pages. Um, which makes me worry, number one. And number two, think that I still am only getting the, the beginnings of each scene out. I'm not quite digging into... there. There's got to be more there. But I feel like for, for, what I, for the time I had, for the, for the week I had, I feel like I did okay. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, given that this, this was written like mostly today. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I feel like... The hardest part is is getting it out. Right. Like you you never you don't you never know what you need to fix until uh, it's written. Right. Yeah. Don't 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 drive like my brother. But like <laughs> the yeah it's it's the whole point of a first draft is that it it will someday be better. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Don't okay. don't worry about that. Um. What did you guys think? I think that what would be most helpful is how the characters interacted. I, I did my best to make sure that they don't swear too much, so they don't sound the same. Curious to know how the the Rebecca and Jordan Steve Re- Rebecca and Jordan, Rebecca and Jordan scene played out. Um, just because I was having a hard time figuring out what they were arguing about. Um, that's that one feels like it could be a little bit longer, a little more fleshed out. So I'm just kind of curious to know anything, honestly. Just how you reacted to it. So let's let's start with the bowling alley scene. You know, we've I like the dynamic that you're setting up here, where it's like Steve. Is is a big no but, and Cosmo is a big yes and. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Cosmo's like bowling with the boys. <laughs> we'll get you a ride, whatever you need, baby girl. And yeah. Steve's like, I I don't want to be here. Yeah. Um, I thought that for the most part this worked pretty well. There there were a few repeated beats yeah. with Steve sort of saying, you know, but I really must go. Yeah, um, baby, it's bowling inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought that it, I thought that it worked, I and mean, it was very very yeah. clear what the dynamic was, and it was clear what was uh like it like I, I knew I knew what scene I was watching. Um yeah. the only thing that I noted in this scene where I was like I'm not sure about that mm-hmm. is is the line this girl I knew in college. I was about to say exactly that. Yeah. Um because we just watched the first act of this movie. Yeah. I'm sitting in the movie theater. We know who the second build character is. Right. So and and it's now five years later, yeah. and for him to say that, it feels. I mean, I I know she's about to come back into his life. Right. Like, there's just no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for him for him to say like, I just happened to be thinking about this girl from college, right. definitely feels convenient, and it feels yeah. a little contrived. Um, that's that's funny because like I'm glad you bring that up because that that's the one thing that felt kind of shoehorned in as yeah. well. Um, but 
I guess to, to lead off of that, a good question is how do you convey that he still thinks about it sometimes? Well, okay, so so here's here's some possibilities. Okay. So in Act One, they have a funny conversation about a shitty beer. Uh-huh. It's a specific shitty beer local to them. Yeah. And they have some funny interaction about it. And then at the bowling alley, Cosmo's like, hey, what can I get you? And he's like, um, why don't you get me that shitty beer from, from that's local to this area? And Cosmo's like, seriously? <laughs> they have good beer. Oh, okay, yeah, no, no, it's your night. It's your night. I'm going to get you that shitty beer. And he comes back. And then we're like, okay, we know, we know what just happened in his head. Yeah, yeah. We know, like, we... Yeah, we know, and you can do that with any number of things. Like, um, just like maybe she has a bowling ball she carries around, and she always gets the orange one, and he grabs the orange one. Yeah, Why would yeah. she have a bowling ball? I don't know. But yeah. um, maybe he asks her out. Hey, would you maybe want to go bowling later? And and you know, she says, "I never, I never felt comfortable in a bowling alley. It just, it just feels too sexual." <laughs> and, and he's like, "I don't get that at yeah. all." And then you know, we see. Uh, it just cuts and Cosmo's like polishing up his ball and he's like, you, you, uh, what you thinking about there, buddy? And he's like, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. You know, it just, and, you know, and I, I think the way to do it is, is, um, Make it some type of callback in some way. Yeah, exactly. Like, like plant, plant a seed in act one and have it pay off here where it's like, yeah, where, yeah. Basically make the audience think of her. Okay. Yeah. Show, show us something that will remind us of her based on what we've seen from her earlier in the movie. And then, Maybe he sees a, a horse. like a, a, a I was gonna say <laughs> a, a pinball horse. model. Uh, like a, maybe there's a, a model on the side of a pinball machine that has her haircut or something. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, she would always wear a short bob and uh, have a backpack on. This pinball model has a backpack on for some fucking reason. Is it too late to make uh, Rebecca's head completely spherical? <laughs> <laughs> with, These pinballs remind with, me of her with very close together eyes. Eyes are very small and close together. <laughs> yeah, I was like. Uh, I, I actually didn't think of what Silas said. Uh, Fuck! <laughs> but I, I really like what he came up with. Yeah. Um, you know, visual storytelling, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, but I instinctively am like, in my writing, I'm not as visual as I uh, want to be. Uh-huh. And I, I, I was trying to think of a dialogue solution for it where um, he, like, he doesn't start with, I'm thinking about scrolling to in college. Because, like, people, in my experience, if they're thinking about a girl they knew in college, they don't start with that. Yeah. They, they, even if they are thinking about it. But they, they'll lead into it with, like, you know, I'm just thinking about how... I should buy a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about, like, all the opportunities I missed out on. Like, yeah. just, I, my life isn't going great right now. I gotta be straight with you. Like, I think about, I should have said yes more. So, like, in college, I didn't date anybody for most of the time, and I could have, and there was this one girl, you yeah. know, that, I don't, I don't know why she's still on my, that's like the long, talky Cassavetes version of that. I like that, uh, yeah. But I, I would say maybe a combination of the two things, where it's like, uh, he sees something that the audience will associate with her, yeah. and then can also be like, here's, here's my, here's how my life is right now. Yeah. Because we've only seen it visually, and we haven't heard him express it. Yeah. Yeah. All this being said, the line of dialogue, this girl I knew in college, how it could have been different and all that, and uh, and if my douchebag friend hadn't gotten in the way, would be extremely valuable for the trailer. <laughs> yeah. You should still record that on the day, just yeah. because just it's the premise of the movie <laughs> in two well-written sentences. I think one way we could do it is if, like, there's a... Because, like, Rebecca's a big horse girl, right? And, like, you could have a lot of, like, like 
horse stuff on the walls and horse memorabilia and stuff and it's just like what's what's wrong steve all these fucking horses yeah if you if i was gonna if there i mean we, we all all of my notes were like write more in act one that's what i would do yeah uh but yeah, if there's a fucking horse picture, that's that's all. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's all you need. Okay. And goodbye horses by Hugh Lazarus plays. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said goodbye to that horse girl. Right. Casual party by band of horses. There's a live. There's a live band playing. They're like goodbye horse girl. Fuck. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I screwed up the song. I don't know why I said that. Uh, um. Yeah, I'm. I'm just thinking about this girl I knew named Rebecca <laughs> in college. <laughs> It probably, I went to a college no one remembers. It's way up north and whatever. Yeah. Hey, we'll move on. We'll move on. I, I keep doing this. I keep doing this at all our gigs. I don't know why I'm so nervous. That's why we can only book bowling alleys. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, okay, but but other than that, the, the scene felt... Natural? Uh, yeah, there wasn't anything I could point to specifically where I was like, that doesn't feel like it's working. That feels inauthentic. Okay. It, it felt like a very familiar, like, yeah, this... this cheery dudes trying to cheer up bum dude <laughs> mm. yeah okay. um the so the next does it yeah. before we move on to the mm-hmm. next thing is it does it end weird or does it end okay like see. just where, where everybody else shows up and is like what's up boys <laughs> i definitely got the idea that steve was now being forced to stay for the rest of the night right yeah. like the boys showed up and now it's weird steve's like oh actually i was heading out yeah mm-hmm. exactly um Okay. Because then it's like, no, dude, we need six for a team, man. We can't just leave. We can't just leave. Yeah. Okay. So one 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 thing which I just thought of now, like yeah. I didn't I didn't write this down when I initially wrote it, but you have this kind of beat at the beginning of the scene where with the, the girl I knew in college, which is like Cosmo being like, You're being too hard on yourself, man. You know, I'm not doing good. It's okay. Don't feel bad. I'm gonna cheer you up. And then the rest of the scene plays out. And the, that kind of builds towards Steve saying, It's just been tough right now. And I feel like if you if you got rid of the the beginning beat, if they're playing together, you know, oh, we're two buddies, we're goofing around, your turn, doofus. And then his phone rings, and he's like, hey, babe, blah, 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 blah. We love each other so much. Our lives are really unimprovable in a lot of ways. <laughs> and then, love you, bye, click. And Steve is like, I should get going. And that's the first time he's sort of brought up anything other than bruise and bowling. Yeah. Now you sort of have an interesting conflict. We're having a good time. We're two buddies. We're hanging out. And suddenly, out of nowhere, Steve is like, I should go. I should. I should go. Yeah. And 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 especially if he was if while Cosmo was on the phone, he was looking at that poor that horse picture, and we just cut back to him, just eyes locked with that painted horse. Yeah. And then I should go, and Cosmo's like, "What? What are you talking about? No one's even gotten here." And then the rest of the scene plays out just oh, as okay, you've written yeah. it, and then it builds to the line, "It's just been rough recently," yeah. or whatever. What does he say? Uh, it's just um, been tough right it's now. It's just been tough right now. Then that line goes from being a little bit redundant with what he talked about earlier. I can think about my regrets to that's actually like kind of a big deal to say yeah. because now he's like, this isn't about bowling. Yeah. I'm feeling shitty. And then right after that, the boys show up. Hey, and then also kind of establishes an interesting dynamic going forward because now Cosmo is, is his buddy who's very positive and like, let's, let's your night, baby girl. And then when Steve was like, I actually would maybe like to talk about my feelings a little bit. I'm actually opening up and, and being a little bit more vulnerable. Instantly, Cosmo deflects and, and is hanging out with the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like he's... It's like Steve... That was a really good opportunity for Cosmo to be supportive of Steve, and he didn't take it, which now gives us more information about them as friends. And, yeah. Okay. Um, it's a, a possibility, a, a, thing, a thing you could do. All right. We are running out of time before Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> Um, the next scene, I, I I liked it. It was kind of a. It reminded me of like a film noir almost. Yeah. 
almost. Mm. You know, where it's like, damn it, Jerry, you've been drinking again. <laughs> the nights of wine and roses are over. You know, uh, or, or kind of like the end of La La Land almost. Uh, not the yeah. very end, but like towards the end of La La Land where it's like, we get exactly, the argument isn't really about alcohol, it's about their relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought it basically made sense. Um, and I really like the beat where, uh, where Rebecca takes a drink of the vodka when Jordan's not looking. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, and I, if anything, I just want more of it. You know, okay. like more of the, not the necessarily the, because there's a little bit of like vague kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm just mad. I'm not going to tell you why kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and if, if we had more information going into that, we'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, okay, we, this is how their relationship has been, you know? Yeah. And how it's going to continue to be. But. And if, if, you know, another, I also, I thought this was a great little scene. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like there's anything broken about it. Okay. Uh, if you, if you, a thing that you could add to, to St. Peter's sick thirst would be, um, <laughs> uh, it might be interesting to see a, a beat of her at the door before she walks in. Cause we can, oh. we can see what she thinks she's about to find. Like, like she gets out of her car, she walks up to the door, hand on, on the knob. And then whatever that beat is. Either she is like expecting him to not be drinking vodka and we see her be disappointed by that or she is expecting it and or she's expecting, you know, it's just, there's, an, there's a little opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, um, I like that. It's Schrodinger's apartment. Is he going to be drunk or not? That's how we open the knob. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cool. Um, for the, uh, are, we, are we ready to talk about Steve's work day? I think so. I, I, uh, yeah, because I mean, the, I thought the Rebecca Jordan scene was, was great. Okay. Um, I had no no complaints about it at all. Uh, the for Steve's work, um, the only thing which stuck out to me is I don't. I think this is the first time we've heard about the baseball blog. Is that right? That is right. I don't think this is the way to tell us that. Okay. Because he that aspect of his life just turned into an awesome opportunity. Yeah. And since we just heard about it right now, it's like hey. Remember that number one single you wrote? Well, listen, <laughs> I've been listening to it and I can't stop. I'm running the grooves out of my record player. I want you to be the front of the... Like, it's just like, <laughs> okay. it, it feels like a fairy godmother. Right. And if, yeah. if we had a scene of him, if we, if we learned about that beforehand, yeah. uh, a scene where he's bummed out and, and he's writing this really upbeat blog post where he's, you see him, he's like, he's like crying yeah, on the hike. That's one yeah. thing about like, it's, it's, I, I found it tough to visualize someone writing like that. You know. Could be a vlog. <laughs> you could do the, the eighth grade. Thing. I was gonna say Elsie Fisher, yeah, yeah. Where it's just like he, uh, yeah, he, he takes a, he comes home from the bowling alley, and he's all like defeated and sad, and and then he turns on his lighting setup, and he's like, "Hey guys, looks like we had another Dodger victory." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. And and it's like I, th- I think I think that's a great. I, I love. I so love. That's yeah. not, that wouldn't be cheese ball to do it as like a video blog. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I think I think that's the future, baby. <laughs> What's up, guys? Like, comment, subscribe. Uh, yeah. Hit that bell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. And and I and I love. It's it's a eighth grade was good enough that this is about to be overused. But I love the you see someone act one way off camera and then they get on camera or or they, or they like like they're acting one, acting one way when they're alone and as soon as they feel like people are watching them their behavior totally changes. I love that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. It, it communicates so much with so little. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that felt weird to me. Uh, that makes sense. And if you did that earlier, I think this scene would would play out great. Okay. I think I think I don't. I think it would be awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, 
The one thing that I, I'd say that still wouldn't, like, kill it for me is uh, when Dale, his boss, is like, I can get you a job outside of my company. Yeah. I think it could be more like, what are you doing here? Yeah. You're, you're better than this little podunk place that you're at right now. Because uh-huh. um, Dale doing the work to get rid of his best employee is like, uh, there's magnanimous and then there's like, he, he's like an anarchist almost. But right. he's like, I, I just fuck my own company, man. I don't care. Like, let's, let's give him a job. But, well, this is my dad's company. Well, Dale, <laughs> I'm trying to run it. <laughs> Dale is more like middle management. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, there is a version of this scene where the scene starts with Steve getting fired. And Dale is like, listen, I, I just don't think this company is a good fit for you. I'm, I'm not, or, or if he's not getting fired, if he's just like, listen, man, like, I don't think you should stay here. And he's like, am I fired? And he's like, you're not fired. You haven't done anything wrong. But like, look, I read your blog. I think there's a lot of potential there. I, I know somebody I can make a phone call for you. Yeah. And so then instead of the dynamic being like, I like you, you got what it takes and I'm going to help you get there. The dynamic is like, you're, you aren't, it's not working with you being here at the company. I'm seeing a problem here, but not all is lost. Here's an opportunity. Like here's, right. there's, there's this, this doesn't need to be the end. Okay. This could actually be a good thing for you. Yeah. It's like a, you know, a tight rope isn't a tight rope unless it's high up. Yeah. Thing. You gotta have a slack line if it's like yeah. <laughs> it's a slack line and no one cares. It's like get get away from the trees in the park and eat shade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not that I hate slack liners, it's just that I've hated all the ones I've met. Just hate uh, slack Oh <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, so yeah, no, just having a just some added stakes there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, the risk of failure. Uh, I think would I like that. Uh, I I think what we could do with that is have it be see see being called into Dale's office and have it occur there instead of at Steve's desk. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Then then that automatically raises the stakes of like why am I being called in my boss's mm-hmm. office? Like what the fuck? Yeah. And that could sort of be a nice mirror to what we just saw a couple scenes ago with Rebecca, who just had a job interview. Yeah. And it's like, you know, she goes into the office and has this whole conversation like, so where do you see yourself in five years and that whole thing? And then if you know, then a few scenes later, he gets called into the office and it's the opposite. It's like, buddy, where, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah. Like why, you know, I think, yeah, there's, that's, that's a fun little okay. thing. Cool. Um, I guess so just really quick, we can talk about our goals for next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to stick with 10 pages, uh, until I accomplish it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, my goal is to calm down. <laughs> my goal is to make that sourdough um no to uh to i'm gonna i'm gonna if the outlining goes quickly i want to see if i can get through the chasm which right. is the the next which is the the scary part that's about to come um I'm excited. as outlined it's a pretty short sequence it's not as long as either of the two, but, but that might change because I haven't, I need to do more outlining. Um, if, if the outline, uh, if the outline doesn't, if it takes longer than I expect, then 10 pages, okay. wherever that gets me. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to be a little ambitious because I was not very ambitious this time uh, and really try to get a total of 20 pages out of what I have so far. Nice. Mm-hmm. So right now it's like six. I want to get it to 20 out of the, the act two. Okay. Sure. Great. That good. We'll see how it goes, but that's, that's what I'm in. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Uh, good, good work, everybody. Yeah. What if, but good work. What if, but good work. <laughs> All right, boys. See you next week. See you next week.